has been said that there is only one ruling class in America. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Liberty Lifestyle Podcast. In this episode, Tyler sits down with Adam Kokesh of thefreedomline.com. Adam tells us about his journey up to this point, including his experience of serving in the Iraq War and his profound realization since that time. Tyler and Adam then discuss what he's working on now. This includes Adam's campaign for not president in 2020, the taxation is theft tour, and solutions toward decentralization and localizing systems of government that do not serve us by altering and or abolishing these systems. Although we support all efforts to decentralize and localize, including grassroots and bottom-up efforts, we also support Adam's interesting approach and what he feels is a very powerful way to get the message of liberty to more people. Thank you for joining us on this journey. We look forward to having you with us in the future on the Liberty Lifestyle Podcast, giving truth the liberty of appearing. All right, this is a special edition of the Liberty Lifestyle Podcast tonight. We're going to have a conversation here with Adam Kokesh um, from thefreedomline.com. What other websites should we title you by at this point? Kokeshfornotpresident.com and thefreedom.fund is the website of our nonprofit because I have a C3 and I, I like people to pay as little in taxes as they possibly can, so we're happy to help with that effort. Great. And uh, <clears throat> we take in-kind contributions and give good receipts for them. Right. And then uh, activistsunderfire.com. Yeah, that's a new so, site. Yeah. Um, I really like the concept of Activists Under Fire, so check that out. It'll be in the show notes. And uh, Adam's on tour, that's why he's here with us in live person, so a lot of the interviews you've been seeing are on Skype. And uh, more coming out soon. I'm going to try to get the editing process a little bit more streamlined, so we'll be having more people like Adam on here and hopefully have him on again soon. Um, When he circles back to Salt Lake, maybe we can do another live interview then. Um, But Adam, for the Liberty Lifestyle Podcast, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself for people that may not be familiar with your work. We'll get into that aspect, but if you can give us a little history, uh, maybe go as far back as you'd like with that, and we'll start there. Well, I'd like to think that... For the message that we're focused on now, who I am is really unimportant, so I'd like to take the opportunity to share more about what my story has motivated in me, and it starts with Fallujah in 2004, really, and of course you got to explain how I got there. I was in the Marine Corps in the Reserves, originally with an artillery unit, volunteered to go to Fallujah in 2004, but <clears throat> I enlisted because I wanted to be the first kid on my block with a confirmed kill. You know, I was that subject to the propaganda and driven by insecurity, uh, things that, you know, in, in my upbringing, my parents divorced, contributing to the appeal of militarism, of, yeah, I'm going to have smoke blown up my butt when I get back and girls are going to love me and things like that. And, oh, if I, if I have a chance to go to combat and get a combat action ribbon, then, you know, all the better. So mm-hmm. at the time, I actually called myself a libertarian but didn't know what it meant. I thought it was socially liberal, fiscally conservative, which is the best of both worlds. But when you think about it, no, that's the both best of both really <laughs> shitty, screwed up political worlds of the left and the right. It's not a good thing to say, yeah, we're the best of both worlds of Republicans and Democrats. Absolutely. And that's a very shallow understanding of the message, obviously, which is really about the philosophy of self-ownership and the non-aggression principle and achieving a world of universal non-violence. And so 
when I was in Fallujah in 2004, there were uh, a few things in particular, a few experiences that, that, that really uh, traumatized and shaped me and, and motivated me. And, and it wasn't just seeing Iraqis die and, and seeing Marines die, but a, a couple events in particular where, uh, you know, I carried a dying Marine into a medical evacuation tent, into a surgical tent, and, you know, on a stretcher, and he's flailing and moaning. I put his arm back on the stretcher and say, you're going to be all right, and, and it was, you know, right before he died. Wow. And even, you know, more poignant to me in terms of a motivator of understanding the state and understanding war was uh, a night during the siege of Fallujah when I was called on to guard some detainees who uh, had tried to escape the city, two young men. Uh, that's, the city's being constantly bombarded with C-130 Spectre gunship fire. That's artillery from the sky. Mm -hmm. You know, of course they're trying to get out of the city. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no surprise. Right? But no, that, when we're trying to keep everybody in, that's criminal. Right. And so they were captured, and when I was called to guard them, they had been in the position they were in for about 12 hours. That is, sandbags over their heads, oh, wow. their hands you know, zip-tied behind their backs, and they were forced to sit cross-legged on a cement floor in a guard shack right outside the uh, Fallujah General Hospital, right next to the bridge where the Blackwater security guards were strung wow. up and burned. And uh, my uh, task in guarding them was to keep them awake and keep them in that position. And if you don't think that's torture in and of itself, just the sleep deprivation torture, they've been sitting there for 12 hours, they're covered in their own shit. You know, if you uh, just try, just, you know, if anybody doubts me, just go try to sit cross-legged yeah. still without being able to get up with your hands behind your back on a hard floor and I guarantee after you, you won't make it to an hour before you decide that yeah, that's torture like a sandbag you said like yeah sandbags over their heads mm -hmm. but I mean even just this is a stress position you know it's not considered a stress position in the typical torture sense because it's not deliberately for that and there are other ways that are more effective as stress positions yeah. um, like having your arms you know tied above your head or something like that where it starts to be painful after 30 seconds or 40 seconds you know a right. couple Even minutes just holding your right arms or just out, yeah it's just hard to do right but yeah. sitting down on a concrete floor is a little bit slower but it, it has the same effect so to understand not just to understand like intellectually but to have a really visceral sense of the pain and suffering that is caused and, and, and related to the depths of the evil that is government. That is, you know, I did evil in the name of government. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's easy for me to talk about it now, no, you know, 13 years out. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a big process for me learning to admit that. I hope... That in, in some way the story can serve as, as an example. I hope so too. Yeah, that's the good message. The hardest thing waking people up is getting them past their attachment to statism and being able to admit that they were wrong. It's it's a measure of humility. Right. right. And that's why some of the most powerful words you can speak were "I was wrong" and not when it comes to little petty things, but the big worldview shattering. And you have to accept that you may have been fooled or you may have just been ignorant. I joined the military. I sent my kids to war. I had I, I have family members who were cops. You know, I've paid taxes my whole life. I voted Republican Still or Democrat right. for a long yeah. time, for decades. And to, to say, holy crap, not just was I wrong, mm -hmm. but my wrongness contributed to the greatest evil empire the world has ever known. My, yeah. my, my wrongness contributed to <clears throat> the, the, the greatest 
source of, of human suffering aside from you know that right. which is in our own heads but externally government is the greatest source of violence in the world and to be able to admit that is not easy for a lot of people yeah right and then and you can go into a stockholm syndrome or cognitive dissonance there and uh that's why the 9-11 can happen right in front of your face and it's too much to question because it's not just that event it's the whole life that you've lived to that point needs to be questioned so yeah so we don't have a lot of time. Let's tie that in now. I'd, and if you needed, wanted to go further with that s story, so you know these guys really woke you up to seeing that maybe um, you know you didn't have a right to be doing what you were doing. Well, it was it wasn't that. It was more processing it in hindsight and realizing like, holy crap! I can't make any excuses. I can't even say that you know uh, I was just following orders because in those circumstances, even though I was following orders, I, I really clearly should have known better. Because I had been given higher orders, which said, this is not appropriate, and you're not supposed to do that, and you're supposed to disobey those orders. Hmm. But Interesting. what that propelled me into first was anti-war activism with IVAW, or Rock Veterans Against mm -hmm. the War. And I think we won that debate. I think the course of human progress is towards freedom. It's towards less violence. We see we are living in the most peaceful times in human history. Governments can't get away with what they used to be able to get away with, mm -hmm. even with the invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan. If the U.S. tried to do that today, if the U.S. government, rather, tried to do that today, uh, I don't think they'd be able to get away mm. with it. Even Obama trying to get boots on the ground in Syria failed because the military on social media put up the you know, silly little signs, I did not enlist to fight for al-Qaeda in Syria. Right, yeah, I remember those, yeah. So I've been in a full-time activist now for 10 years. I was first full-time with the Iraq Veterans Against the War as a volunteer. Uh, ran for Congress as a Republican, endorsed by Ron Paul in 2010 in New Mexico. Couldn't shut up when the race was over, so I got a radio show that got picked up as a TV show that turned into a successful YouTube channel and everything I'm doing online now. And I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way. I've been arrested over three dozen times in mostly civil disobedience or in protest or in other you know, things related to my activism. All arrests that I'm proud of, of course. And all well documented. I have, yeah, I have a couple that I'm not so proud of from before my activism days, but since my activism days, I'm they're all they're all arrests that I'm proud of and, and relatively well documented. And uh, you know, I've I've come to a lot of conclusions the hard way. And while uh, you know, one of them was before that you know we need or these things that I've given up delusions in in my activism. You know, that, that we have to cover the news on a daily basis. You know, I used to do a three-hour podcast mm -hmm. daily live with guests right. and, and interviews and, you know, an hour of just covering the headlines. And you're like, after a while, I, I just, I realized I'm creating a product that I don't want people to consume. Like, you shouldn't be, like, if you, you are a slave to other people, if you, if your attention is dictated such that you have to spend three hours a day following the news, and I don't mean the news in, in general, I mean the way we think of the news as sure. current events, politics, government, war, society, mm -hmm. human conflict. Technology news, fashion news, culture news, yeah, indulge yourself, love it, enjoy it, but if it's, well, you got to watch this so you know what's going on in the world, yeah. no, get rid of that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that is especially relevant for me now is this delusion that we have to wake up everybody, that everybody has to get this. Hmm. And we only need a critical mass, and, and I think it's more like 5 to 10%. But in order for this to work, we have to embrace a different strategic objective, and that is not to win everybody over to a philosophy of freedom or of ethics, but rather to apply that in a way 
that makes everyone's life better mm -hmm. immediately. Right. And so this is what I'm working on right now with this tour, getting ready not just for 2020, but for 2018 for the Libertarian Party National Convention to get us away from being a debate club to being a real political force. Mm -hmm. And the way we do that is by giving up this idea that we have the perfect vision that's going to work for everybody, and we're going to take the reins of power at the top and impose our vision on the rest of the country. I mean, it's, you put it in those terms, you go, wow, you know, that's, that's really not very libertarian. And I heard a speech from yeah. Andreas Kohl recently, uh, Mr. Liechtenstein, where he said that as libertarians we should be agnostic about taxes and regulations. And I was like, whoa, okay, I'm not easily triggered, but that's offensive. Hmm, but then yeah. I thought about it, you know, and I get his point that when government is localized down to the community level, you know, if you got it, if, you, if my property is sovereign and you want to live on my property, well, you're going to pay rent. And then my, you could call that a tax. It's a lot of tax. And you bet your, your butt you're going to have to follow my rules when you're on my land. So, yeah, there's a lot of regulations. Right. And what we should be concerned about isn't the nature or the role even of government, but the geographical, geographical scope and scale. And that decentralization of government is the way forward. And as much as this is a bottom-up movement that's based on a paradigm shift, the paradigm shift is to get us to this critical mass mm -hmm. where we have enough leaders who will take charge and say the way forward to a stateless society is decentralization. We don't have to convince everybody of philosophy. We don't have to argue with them. We don't have to d right. debate any issues or the role of government even. If you like your government, you can keep it as yeah. long as it's only at the community level, the local level, and you don't impose that on yeah. anyone else. Well, our ideas should be able to be proven in that way, right? If we, if, if these ideas are, are, are really true, and, and a lot of this, the libertarian philosophy can be now practiced, and, and we can show people um, how it works rather than just philosophize about it, rather than just debate about it online, um, then we should be able to create better systems, right, On these based on these principles. And so like you said, you don't necessarily need to convert everyone to a new, let's say, economic system. If you build a better one, and then it just becomes seamless, yeah, yeah. and then you can provide some basic reasons why it's better. It's like Bitcoin yeah. versus the U.S. dollar. We don't exactly. have to fight the system. We don't have to... I mean, imagine if all the effort that has gone into these drives to audit the Fed or end the Fed, and, and ending the Fed's not even the answer, because the question of how soon should the Federal Reserve be abolished is let the market decide mm -hmm. you know it, right. it needs to be spun off and allowed to die a, a, a whatever death it is is natural and of <laughs> natural causes right but uh if all of that effort that went into fighting the federal reserve and even even educating about the people about the federal reserve if all of that was put into bitcoin or cryptocurrencies in general to make them more effective more efficient m more easy to mm -hmm. use for the average person it, we'd be that much more ahead in terms right. of killing all central banks all over the world. Yeah. I, I do think it's good to, to get people to understand the basics of the Fed, because a lot of the time they don't understand, well, why do I need another currency? The U.S. dollar is fine. And so they do need to know some basic reasons why they may want to look at alternatives. But but I do agree with most of, of what, what you're saying there. And some new technologies really are going to show people what the libertarian movement can do. Um, there's some very interesting things working out there. But let's get back into um, now kind of what you're doing with your activism and uh, the message that you're trying to spread on this tour. I mean, it's hashtag tax, taxation is theft, right? And uh, hashtag Kokesh for not president. So I think you just threw the taxation is theft in there just as the extra <laughs> get, get some hashtag traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's important to understand that we lead with philosophical principles and taxation is theft 
is is really a critical one right now. And I, I should back up and, and you know, and, and we're, we're at your place right now. We're really grateful for your hospitality and, and our not campaign manager, Ben, who is sleeping on the couch here. Uh, he hates it when I tell this story, but I, I feel like I have to to explain how this came about because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, you know, as much as I have an analytical mind and I'm driven by principle and, and I, I have no tolerance for you know, problems that exist, for lack of information, I have no tolerance for arbitrary authority being imposed. Uh, I wish I could say I was a better business manager, an entrepreneur, an activist, and could just figure all this stuff out, and that this was just the logical conclusion of all of the analyses of my mistakes over the last 10 years, but that's not true. It really just started as a joke. In 2012, I believe, at the Bilderberg meeting in, in Virginia, the original info warrior, Jason Burmis, you know, some conversation asked me something like, oh yeah, well, what would you do if you were president? quit, go home, get a real job. I mean, it's a ridiculous position. It shouldn't exist. I'm going to throw the ring in the fire. You give me the ring. It's easy. I don't want that power. It shouldn't exist. My principles are clear. This is the way forward. And and it was sort of a joke. You know, that it just started like that. And, and people said, well, Adam, what would you do about this? And I, it's a joke. You're not supposed to ask serious questions. It's just like that. But then I was like, well... If this is based on my principles, I guess I gotta start answering these questions. Well, Adam, if you were president, what would you do about this? What would you do about that? And eventually, I had all the answers, mm -hmm. and it was like, yes, this is this is quite clear. We have a platform, <laughs> and the platform is the peaceful, orderly, responsible dissolution of the entire United States federal government. And I'm getting ready to run for president in 2020 on that platform. And the way we do this is very simple. And, and when we say we're not running, we're, we're running for not president at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, it's partly because we're not filing FEC paperwork yet. Right. But uh, we are very serious about this. We are running to win. And we're going to go in on the very first day, sign one executive order that initiates this more or less preordained administrative process. In this executive order, I resign. So the presidency does not exist anymore. Hmm. The federal government is declared of no authority. I am going in as a bankruptcy agent. To, I mean, some would say that the federal government has been bankrupt since 1971. I'm going in to pick up the pieces and clean up the mess and do our best to salvage some legitimate value out of this organization. So I become yeah. custodian of the federal government, and we appoint not secretaries of, but custodians of each agency for the purpose of carrying out this more or less preordained plan. Mm -hmm. So neutralize, privatize, localize is how we put this in sloganeering nice. terms. First thing, sign the executive order. Government, federal government, is neutralized. No authority whatsoever. All of its laws unenforced. It becomes a custodial institution of the property and of the data that it has. Privatize is a word that's really demonized. So I like to mm -hmm. use the example of the VA here. Because most people have a, a backwards idea of what privatization means. Because really it means sure. putting resources in the hands of people who have an interest in those resources. So the VA, the Veterans Affairs Hospital, I'm a veteran. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it more than breaks, it's inadequate to say it breaks my heart that we have 22 veterans committing suicide every day. And the VA does not exist to take care of veterans. It exists to make it look like the government takes care of veterans so they can pacify the American public and get you to keep enlisting. So if we took the VA out of the hands of a few bureaucrats 
who answer to the rich jerks and the pharmaceutical lobbies and all the other lobbies that corrupt government. And we take it, we spin it off as a private institution, give it an endowment as we're liquidating government, and uh, give every single veteran in America one ownership voting share. I guarantee you're not going to have 20 veterans committing suicide when you put those resources directly in their hands. So privatization means broader ownership, it means more appropriate ownership, and it means mm -hmm. a, a real custodial interest in those resources in a way that you know they are going to be put to maximum effectiveness to meet human needs. So then the other thing is localized. And you know we want uh, government to have an orderly transition from being at the federal level to being just at the state level, mm -hmm. to have 50 uh, legally independent nations. Now, this is about reclaiming the American heritage. This is uh, reaffirming what it means to be American because America is too good for this government. And what, what it really means to be American is not our borders or the people or the, certainly not the government or anything like that. It's the American heritage of overthrowing mm -hmm. empires. Right. And what we are doing with this campaign is overthrowing the greatest empire right. the world has ever known. Just like it says right there in the Declaration of Independence, which, which I feel is the only document we really need, personally. Um, I don't feel like you need any additional uh, rules on top of what was stated there. A very highly enlightened document, in, in my opinion. And it, and it says it's your duty to do uh, what you just said, overthrow tyrannical governments. Uh, not, not an option, not just something you can shirk off, not something you should give, you know, just maybe try to um, vote it away, and that kind of leads into how we can conclude this. Um, I would love to talk more, and, and like I said, I hope we can have you, you get another chance. I know you're kind of getting uh, where you have to go, though, so. What is your message to people who want to support you? Because we want people to support their message, especially if it, if it rings true to them and they're in the voluntarist movement, but looking for more of what they can do. Um, by supporting you, and obviously, if it comes time to, you would ask them to come out and support you at the polls, um, mm -hmm. but or at the voting booth. Um, but what would you <coughs> say that people could do, you know, in the meantime, um, in in other ways to kind of help support the overall message? Maybe not even anything to do with um, uh, running for president yourself. Like you said, it's it's not necessarily you. It's the idea that you're really running with here, and it does happen to be you. <laughs> And that's fine, but then tie that in also to kind of a message to people that might pick this up down the road, because a lot of this, the podcast idea will probably be listened to mm -hmm. down the road. So like people picking up our breadcrumbs, who might be, you brought a lot of people into voluntarism. What's kind of your message to them as well, if you want to tie that in there with that? Well, I always say that if, if nothing else, I hope listening to me is at least giving you some motivation in your own activism. And, and I always hope to impart some inspiration, some motivation that I have in mind. In the more general sense of winning converts, you know, I'd like to promote my book, thefreedomline.com, where it's available for free, and you can get it free in every digital format, including audiobook. Um, but that's just one tool. And it's just the means to an end. I, I wrote it to be the ultimate red pill, and I think we succeeded humbly, if I may say so, because I had a lot of help. And more importantly, when you have tools like this, and there are other tools out there, you know, I've asked a lot of people how they woke up, you know, having been on multiple tours like this. Right. It's, no one ever says, well, there was this guy yelling at me in a bar, mm -hmm. and I, I just, you know, realized he, 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 he got loud enough that I realized he was right about everything, and I just became a libertarian. Like, no, it doesn't happen that way. And it doesn't happen by arguing, it doesn't happen by debating or playing this zero-sum political game of I'm right, you're wrong, let's argue, let's debate. Let's, let's have a winner and a loser. Right. The way we spread this message is with love and compassion to say, Absolutely. hey, 
brother, sister, this is something that's important to me, that's made my life better, that's, that's helped me understand my world, and I'd like to share it with you. Would, you. would you like to hear about this? Can I share with you? And if they say no, piss off, well, I love you anyway. You know, that's cool. I hope you have a great life, and I hope you live well and help move humanity forward in your own way. And, and to not be so narrow-minded about you know, what, what we focus on as libertarians mm -hmm. or as voluntarists, because 80 to 90 percent of the population is never really going to care about what we care about the way that we care about it. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. We better to accept that and work around that than resist it or get angry with it. So we are at a point now where the movement is still less than a percent of the population, and I would say about 10 percent of the population is our target audience, low-hanging fruit. And with this campaign, we definitely want to grow it out into that. But anything that, that people can do, thinking about sharing this message in a positive, loving, joyous way is, is awesome and it, it essential to this progress. We do need to have an underlying paradigm shift. I think, though, it doesn't have to be so deep as what most of us would consider the paradigm shift to freedom from statism. It can be a little shallower. It can mm -hmm. be just from statism to decentralization, to localization of government, to community-based or, or city-based government. Uh, and, and I think that really is how we make this movement mainstream. So it's really important. I don't, I don't mean to repeat myself too much here. But if you want to help me out with this, uh, even if you don't believe that this can win, uh, we can win on this platform. And, and I, I want to say to the people who are skeptical, you're right to be skeptical. And I can't promise that we are going to win on this platform. I don't know that this is possible. But I believe that we have it incumbent upon ourselves as people who see this as a possibility to find out, especially when we know that this is also the most efficient way to spread this message and wake people up. And if nothing else, if you want to make sure that the Libertarian Party as a platform is not co-opted by someone like Gary Johnson or Bob Barr again, then you need to get involved. I don't care if you don't vote. I don't care if you think, I, I mean, I would agree it's a waste of time, 90 plus percent of the time. But we're asking Americans to essentially come out and vote twice. Once to abolish the federal government, excuse me, dissolve. And then once again to dissolve the state governments. And I think then we're there where we can sit back and let things, you know, happen naturally. Yep. So get involved with the LP. Get involved with the Libertarian Party locally. Go to your state convention next spring. Be committed to be a delegate for me, for our campaign, for this strategic shift. We have some other things going on at the 2018 Libertarian Party National Convention we're going to be pushing for unity with the Dallas Accord and for localization as part of the platform. So anything you can do to get involved that way, anything you can do to help us spread the message, if you go to thefreedomline.com, you can share my book, you can share the blog, you can share all the other work there, any of my videos on social media. YouTube has been a great resource, uh, or at least my channel there, for people who have shared those videos to, to bring others into the message. So. You know anything you can do. That's uh, but if you can, if you want to help me out with what I'm doing, you can find it all at thefreedomline.com. Okay. Well, then you wrapped up my last question. All right. How can people support you, and where do they go? And you know, you wrapped all that up in there. So I guess all I have to do is thank you for coming on the show. Um, like I said, there's plenty more that I want to talk to you about, but I will share this out to the libertarian, yeah, the libertarian party that I know, the people in the area working, and try to get them. Um, at least um, looking at the ideas because a lot of people may not be familiar yet with your tour and I think that's kind of what I'm trying to do here is just sh help share your work out and so share this video and like and subscribe and follow Adam's work and uh, there's a lot of really good videos um, watch the street interviews 
um, on his YouTube channel. There's some um, really good points made there, and, and just Adam has a very good camera presence and a funny guy, so... Um, and support Tyler and support this production, because if you don't watch, you don't share productions like this, they go away. And I know because I've faced enough of this myself and been in independent media for you know the majority of my time as an activist. It, shows like this require their audiences to be active and engaged and supportive, so please do. All right, thank you. Yeah, mm -hmm. and absolutely, I uh, look forward to some more content. We might do a video tonight. Maybe I'll record some things there and get that published as well. But Adam, thank you for coming on. Any last things you want to say? Peace, love, and screw the government. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, brother. Thank you.